We started last week a new series of sermons on the spiritual gifts from Romans 12. So I'm going to read that passage again, Romans 12:3 through 8, and then we'll focus on the gift of prophecy this morning. Romans 12:3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So last week, if you were not here, we did an introduction to the subject of spiritual gifts, and I've made three points. So this is a recap of a sermon if you weren't here. My first point was that all of those gifts are given to us by grace. Nobody can boast in a particular gift. Nobody can say, I'm such a prophet, or I'm such a teacher, or I serve so well, because all of those gifts come to the church by grace. God freely gives it to his children for their benefit. Secondly, I said that those gifts are not given to you for your benefit. They're given to others through you. So as you realize what gift or gifts you have, they are meant for other people. You are to use them for other people. They're not. Gift of prophecy, as we will see today, is not meant for you to enjoy the prophet, but it's meant for those to whom God will speak through you. And lastly, I made a point of saying that all those gifts are discovered and practiced in the local church. That there's a community of grace where all those gifts are discovered and they're exercised and they're supposed to be used for the good of the body of believers. Not exclusively, but primarily. So that was our beginning of this whole topic of spiritual gifts. And today we look at the gift of prophecy. Paul says, verse 6, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. I do want to talk about prophecy. It's one of the gifts here. It may make some of us uncomfortable. This is not a church known for this, the prophetic gifts. We're not part of the Christianity that, that is known for exercising these kind of gifts. But it's in Scripture. And to have a balanced view, we need to take all of these gifts and talk specifically about each one of them. We need to make sure that we are embracing all of the manifestations of the Spirit that are meant for the good of the local church. So we're going to be talking about prophecy. I want to handle it carefully, but also thoroughly and biblically as, as possible in, in one sermon. And so this is my outline, very simply. First, I'd like to explain what the gift of prophecy is. And second, I'd like to address how we should practice this gift today, specifically in our lives and in our church. So what it is and how we can practice it. Now what is prophecy? Now if you were here for Advent a few weeks ago, we, we talked about prophecy in the context of Jesus being the chief 
prophet speaking on behalf of God to us. And I made this, this comparison, this analogy. I talked about Polly, my seven-year-old daughter. I have four daughters. She's the second youngest. And I was talking about Polly being my prophet, fulfilling that prophetic function for me. When I send Polly upstairs to get her two older sisters, I tell her, Polly, tell them that they need to come down for dinner or family worship or something like that. Polly goes and Polly says, Papa says you must come down for dinner. Polly does what a prophet would do for God. On my authority, taking my word given to her, now she passes on this word to other people and they need to respond to me through her. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is simply communicating God's message to others. And it's on God's authority and it's coming from God and it's coming to specific people through you. Now for many of us, we think of prophecy as dealing with the future, as in foretelling a future event. And that's true, that's part of prophecy. There are many prophecies in the Old Testament that have to do with the future as well as in the New Testament. But that's not the nature and the essence of prophecy. Prophecy is sometimes, and maybe a lot of the time, foretelling the future. But it is always foretelling. That's what this word prophecy means in our text. It's foretelling. It's speaking forth. It's communicating something to someone else. That's what prophecy is. It's taking God's message that comes to the prophet and passing it on to the person or community that it is meant for. So sometimes it's about the future, but it is always a specific message from God to specific audience. One commentator defines prophets as people who have the gift of passing on direct words from God. People who can say, thus says the Lord. You see, the gift of prophecy is defined by two things in Scripture. Authority and immediacy. There's authority that comes with God speaking to the prophet. And the prophet being able to say, thus says the Lord. Not everybody can say that. Not all of the gifts come with that authority. But the gift of prophecy is rooted in God's ability to say something to us and say, now you must speak this word to others. And so the messenger has no authority in him or herself, but authority resides in the message that comes from God himself. Whoever has the gift of prophecy must be able to proclaim with confidence, thus says the Lord. It's not like a gift of teaching. It's not like a gift of exhortation that is much more general. Prophecy has an immediate aspect to it. God speaks a particular message to a particular person and this message is supposed to go out quickly to this other person or other community. There's immediacy to prophecy. The gift of prophecy is, is not general, it's more specific. God speaks to a particular person through another person. Now, let's look at some examples from Scripture. See how prophecy worked in the Old and the New Testaments. For example, Moses. He was a prophet and God sent him to Pharaoh with a particular message. Let my people go, right? Moses comes to Pharaoh and he says, Thus says the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob sent me to tell you that you need to let Israel go. Authority did not belong to Moses, but it belonged to the message from God. 
to a particular person, namely Pharaoh. Jonah was another prophet. In Jonah 1, first couple of verses of the book, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come, come up before me. Again, a specific message to a specific community through a specific person. Second Samuel 12. Now you may remember that story when King David has, has an affair with Bathsheba and then he tried to cover it up and he kills Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. And God sends a prophet, Nathan. Nathan comes to, to David and he tells him on God's authority that he needs to repent from those particular sins. Now how about the New Testament? Well, Acts 11, verses 27 through 30, describes a, a New Testament church experience of prophecy. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Paul. Now all these examples have authority and immediacy. Specific message through a specific messenger to a particular community or person. Authority and immediacy are the traits of the gift of prophecy. Now this is where I'm going to tread on some controversial ground. It is my conviction from Scripture that there's no biblical basis to believe that this gift of prophecy has ceased or has been taken away permanently from the church. There are some Christians who believe, and maybe many in some circles who believe, that with the completion of the Bible, the gift of prophecy is no longer necessary. We have God's revelation, so God need not speak to his people directly through a prophetic message anymore. Now, I want to be careful with that because there are sincere believers who embrace that view. However, I think if we define prophecy biblically, we will see how it is still necessary today that the Bible and the existence of recorded revelation, which is really, really important, and I'll connect it a little bit later, how this revelation does not negate the need for God to speak directly to his people. Now, we believe in a personal God. We believe in a God who doesn't step back, who doesn't leave his children and say, now I've told you everything I wanted to tell you, and you must go on that. No, God stays close to us. He speaks to us. And all of us, regardless of what your view of prophecy is, all of you believers can share experiences when God said something to you. When you would say, I sensed God's Spirit telling me to do this or, or to, to change my view on that or to help that person. We've all felt personal and intentional ministry of the Holy Spirit to you. Now, you still have the Bible, and God often works through the Bible. Well, well I'll deal with that in a few minutes. But it doesn't mean that God does not speak to us directly. And if God speaks directly to his children, to a believer why would he not also speak to that believer through another believer? That often happens, doesn't it? Somebody comes and encourages you. God uses someone else to speak to you, to encourage you. Well, that's similar to prophecy. That's the sphere in which this gift of prophecy operates. 
I don't see in Scripture that that gift has been taken away, that it's done. It may be practiced differently. It may be practiced to a greater degree in certain parts of the world or in certain times in church history, depending on the needs of the church. I think sometimes that gift is, is needed more than in other times. But I, I can't honestly say that there's any basis in Scripture that it's gone. I don't think it is. I think we often not use it. God gives it to us and we don't use it. And I think we need to embrace it. We need to use all of the gifts of the Spirit and be open to all of them and have a balanced view of how the Spirit works in the church. So let me leave this point and say, if you want to talk to me more about it and look at Scripture together, I'm happy to do that. But I'm going to go on the assumption that this gift still exists today and must be practiced in the church. Now, let me give you some verses on that to maybe move you a little bit. I'm not going to do a lot of explanations of these verses, but there's a lot of verses in Scripture that tell us not to neglect this gift. For example, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 20, says, Do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies. And I'm afraid that parts of the Christian world today have despised prophecies. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now maybe, for the Corinthian church at that time, it was especially significant to have the gift of prophecy. But still, it seems that Paul thinks it's a significant gift. It's a good gift to have. Just a few verses later, in 1 Corinthians 14.3, Paul says, The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. If, if God gives you something and says, This will encourage you, this will console you, this will build you up, why would we neglect that? Because that's the point of the gift. The point of the gift isn't to make everything crazy, which is what often happens. The point of the gift is to encourage the body, to build it up, to console you, to comfort you through a direct word to you through another person. I don't see why that would not be a need for us today. Look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 24 and 25. Paul imagines this worship service where everybody prophesies. He just imagines that. And he says, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he's called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so fallen on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's a good gift. It may lead to conversion. Somebody might come in and say, God is speaking through these people to me, and God is telling me what's in my heart. And God is calling me to worship. This is a good gift to be used. Now, let's talk more about how it's supposed to be used in the church. So how do we practice it? What are some of the, the appropriate biblical avenues for, for the use of this gift? Well, let me give you a couple. Preaching is one. I'm sorry I have to start with my own, my own office, but it's, it's part of it. God often gives a gift of prophecy to preachers. Uh, for example, the Puritans, and particularly William Perkins, thought that the gift of prophecy is the gift of preaching. They, they put it together. They thought it was identical because God communicates a message to a particular congregation. 
There was an old preaching uh, manual written by Perkins that was called The Art of Prophesying. The Art of Prophesying was about preaching. But not all preaching is prophesying. It often contains it, but not all preaching is prophesying. Preaching could also be teaching or exhortation. And we'll look at those gifts as we, as we go on in this series. But preaching often contains prophecy. As in God telling the preacher, you need to say this particular thing, this word, to this particular community. And the preacher passes it on as a faithful prophet would. Now, I've experienced that. Uh, If you get uh, sermon preview emails from me every week, and I say, we're going to be looking at this text, read it prayerfully, and so on. Sometimes, not often, but sometimes, I would say, I think this is a particularly important message to the church. And I will kind of alert you and say, pay attention to this one, because I think God is going to speak to us about this. Or even after the sermon, saying, I think God said something to us in that sermon that is particularly relevant, particularly significant to us right now. Now, God always speaks. That's not to say that that God is silent other times, no. But there's a difference between general teaching from his, His Word that is true and applicable to many people in many circumstances and a particular word that comes from Him to a specific congregation at a specific time perhaps addressing a specific issue. Uh, I have sometimes felt in the midst of preaching that God would give me something to say, and I know that often I know who it is for in the congregation. So I sometimes would look at you when I'm preaching, uh, because I think God has given me a word for you. It's not in my notes. It's, this comes from the Holy Spirit, and I try to be sensitive to that and be flexible enough to incorporate it into a sermon if the Spirit speaks, that is a gift of prophecy. I don't think it's a strong gift for me. There are preachers who are strongly gifted in that. I don't think I am. But this is, a, this is a, an accepted avenue for that gift to be used from the pulpit. Now, another example of how more dramatically this gift is used by other preachers comes from Charles Spurgeon. I just want to give you a couple stories to... Uh, to help you just kind of illustrate that a little bit. Spurgeon, of course, was a, was a well-known preacher in his time, and he had, seems to have had that gift of prophecy. One time while preaching, Spurgeon pointed to someone in the audience, and you love that when preachers do that, right? <laughs> you just single somebody out. And he said, young man, the gloves in your pocket are not paid for. He knew that. God revealed, God gave a word to Spurgeon to give to that person in the congregation. turns out it was true. The guy did steal the gloves. And that word brought repentance into that person's life. It was for building up, for comfort and consolation. It was a good thing. Another time, Spurgeon, again preaching, exclaimed, there's a man sitting here in this congregation who's a shoemaker. He keeps his shop open on Sundays. It was open last Sabbath morning. He took nine pence, and there was four pence profit on it. His soul is sold to Satan for four pence. It's a very serious thing, isn't it? As Spurgeon said. But it comes on God's authority. It was true. The person was deliberately disobeying God and keeping his business open on Sunday to profit, and he did make that particular amount of money, and that message from Spurgeon brought repentance. 
And it, it, it was a good thing for that person. Now that's an example, a more dramatic perhaps example of how a prophetic gift is exercised and secrets of the heart are disclosed and God is worshipped. Now it could happen in a friendly conversation. I think this is how it often happens in a local church. I don't know if it ever happened to you on either end of a conversation like this, but sometimes God gives a message to be passed on to another believer, maybe in the church or in your home group or a friend. And it could be very simple. It could be as simple as the Lord told me to encourage you today. The Lord wants you to know that He loves you and that He is pleased with you. It's a simple message, and sometimes that is the message that that person needs to hear. And God would use somebody with the gift of prophecy to communicate it to them. Sometimes it does have to do with a particular sin that the person had been struggling with and hiding. And it brings it out in the open, and it brings repentance, and it brings reconciliation. And so God is using another person by giving him or her that particular message to communicate to someone else. Another avenue of using this gift would be evangelism. Sometimes God will give you a specific word to say to a specific unbeliever. Sometimes a complete stranger. God would lead you to that person and say, you need to speak to them. And this is what you need to tell them. And maybe it's a particular way to present the gospel that will connect with the heart of that person and they will believe they'll convert. God uses that. God does that. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it happens. When God speaks through his prophet to someone else and brings about conversion or repentance or growth. Now, if I leave it here, we're in a lot of trouble because every time a teaching on prophecy is presented, it inevitably leads to some weird things happening in the church. Some of you have seen it happen. It inevitably leads to a guy coming to a girl and saying, God told me that we should get married. It's just always happens. Usually Christian colleges, but church as well. It, it always happens that some Christian leader gets up and says, God told me that you need to contribute to my ministry. This is the amount you need to give me on Tuesday night, and, and I'm going to spend it on, on my house or my jet or wherever. It's usually a, a big expense. That happens. And people say, I have a gift of prophecy. God spoke to me. I have a word of the Lord for you. And you need to obey it because it comes in God's authority. It's a word of the Lord for you from God. Um, it, weird things happen like that. Uh, you know, ministers start arranging marriages for people in the church because they, they say, I have a prophetic gift. God told me. How do you guard against abuses of, of this gift? How do you guard against that? Because if you just leave it at that and say, you know what, if you, if you think you hear something from the Lord, you just run with it, which is you can interpret everything I've said so far as that, I think we could be in a lot of trouble. So let's look at Scripture for safeguards. God knows that we are people who are easily deceived. We're broken people. We like to make up stuff. We like to do things that are, that are not right. And so God gives us safeguards. And God says, exercise this gift but do it in a biblical way, do it in the right way that it will, in fact, benefit the church and others around you. There's a safeguard that has kind of two dimensions in our text. Paul says, prophesy, but do it in proportion to our faith. 
So the command is to prophesy, to use the gift. But the safeguard is to do it in proportion to our faith. Now what does it mean? It could mean two things. I think it does mean two things. And I think the ambiguity in the text is deliberate so we can get those two things out of the text. It could mean the faith of the prophet. It could mean the personal faith of the prophet. So use the gift, prophet, but do it according to your faith. And I'll explain what I mean. It could also mean our faith as in the faith, and there is a definite article in the text, meaning the Christian faith, meaning the Christian gospel, the apostolic gospel, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, as Jude says. So it could be a subjective thing, how I feel as a prophet, what I think, what I believe. And it could be an objective thing, what does the whole body of Christian revelation say? What does the Bible say? Both are important. Both are safeguards. Let's look at the personal faith first. A person exercising the gift of prophecy must always ask themselves, do I believe that this word is from the Lord? In other words, they must be sincere, must be honest, humble. They must not claim that this word is from the Lord unless they sincerely believe that it is from the Lord. We can't casually say, thus says the Lord. You can't do that. It's dangerous. It's serious. Ezekiel 13 has a warning to false prophets. Thus says the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. They say, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. We do that sometimes. We wish something was true, and we just assume that the Lord is also on that side. We say something, we say, well, of course it's the word from the Lord. We can't be so arrogant as to think that anything we think or anything we say is actually from the Lord. We need to be careful with that. And so if you hear something from God, which, as I said, is a legitimate thing, it should be a legitimate experience of Christians, your next question is, is it from the Lord? Am I convinced in my own spirit that, that God is speaking to me, and this is a message to be passed on to someone else? Is it true? Not, can I use it for something that I want? There are, you know there are people, and it's really not that hard to tell, Christian leaders who use this for their own benefit, for their own purposes. They usually wear white pants. I, I don't know why. I don't know what the connection is, but you have to wear white pants when you prophesy in certain circles. And they say things like, like I've already mentioned, God said that you need to contribute to my ministry. And you sow that seed, and God will bless you. And they make all these promises, and they say all these things. And you realize that it seems to benefit one person. <laughs> And it seems to really benefit them. Is it really what God is saying? Are they convinced that God is saying that to them? Or are they simply using the platform, using their avenue to do something and maybe good, but something that God is not speaking about? So a prophet always needs to be careful. 
you know, the fact that that particular revelation about that particular amount of money to be raised comes on Wednesday nights during the TV broadcast, to me, is a red flag. Maybe God isn't speaking. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe it is sinful to say that God says something when he doesn't. So we need to be careful with that. That's the personal faith. That's the subjective. You need to feel, you need to sense that God is speaking to you. You need to be sure that it is coming from God in your own spirit, your own faith. Now there's also the objective safeguard. And that has to do with the Bible, the gospel, the faith of the church, the whole Christian revelation. We must prophesy in proportion to the faith, in agreement with the whole Christian teaching, the apostolic gospel. In other words, for a prophecy to be true, it must be in agreement with the doctrines and practices of the Bible. A prophet who comes to you and says, you must leave your spouse and your children, is not a true prophet. The Bible says that's not a practice that should be embraced by a Christian. You remember Harold Camping two years ago, a little over two years ago, he's a Christian broadcaster, was he passed away since then. He said that Jesus is coming back May 21st, 2011. He proclaimed it. Many people believed him. Was he a prophet? Now, most of us knew then, and certainly know now, he's not a prophet. Why? Because the Bible clearly tells us that no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. This is a clear teaching of Scripture. The day of the Lord will be like a thief in the night. You don't expect a thief. You can't get ready for a thief. And so, for Harold Camping to say, I know that Jesus will return on May 11th, or May, I want to get my facts straight, May 21st, 2011, was wrong, because it contradicted the revelation we have in Scripture from God himself. The spirit who will give you a word for somebody is the same spirit who gives us the word of God in Scripture. Those will never contradict if they come from the Spirit. The same Spirit who puts words in this book, who put it together, who spoke through the prophets of the Old and New Testament and the apostles and, and all that we have recorded here is the same Spirit who speaks to us now. And he will not contradict himself. Was Joseph Smith, founder of the Mormon Church, a prophet like he claimed? No. Christians knew it then. We know it now. Because his teaching contradicted the scriptures. For example, the nature of God. The nature of Jesus. Those are big issues. And anybody who comes and claims to have a word of the Lord that contradicts the Bible is not a true prophet. Now they may be genuinely deceived themselves, or there may be a malicious design behind it, but they're not speaking from God. That's why Mormons need three more books to put alongside the Bible, is because their teaching contradicts it. Even more specifically, it's not just the Bible in general. That's helpful, that's important. But the gospel is at stake. There's a message that is contained in the Bible. There's a central message that, that helps us interpret the rest of the Bible. And we need to focus on that, the gospel of Jesus, and see how a particular word of prophecy contributes to that, exalts it, highlights it, promotes it. And if it doesn't, if it contradicts it, it's not a word from the Lord. 
1 Corinthians 12 tells us, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. You see, all true prophecy exalts Jesus and amplifies the gospel of grace. Which is why I made a point of saying that what Spurgeon said on those two occasions is not just fun and miraculous and it happened, but it led to repentance. It led to a person worshiping God and exalting Jesus and being reconciled to Jesus again. The person was able to accept forgiveness based on grace through Christ. So that particular word, that revelation, promoted the gospel. It brought that person deeper into fellowship with God through Christ. And that is a test. We need to test prophecy. We need to weigh it. We need to see if it fits with the Bible and particularly with the gospel of grace. What is the gospel of grace? I assume that because we're all here. But what is the gospel of grace? It's this message, this news, this story that God sent his son to save us and to help us and to bless us. That Jesus came being completely God, remaining God, also became completely human. Two natures in one person. And he lived a life, a human life, a life that we all live. But he lived it perfectly. He lived it in complete obedience to God. And then he died a death that he did not deserve, but we deserve, taking on our punishment for our sins in our place. And having died for our sins, he was raised from the dead and now proclaims this good news to us that we are forgiven, we are blessed, we are saved, we can have all the good things that God has for us, including forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and meaning and joy in life. And all of that comes to us by grace, not because we have done something, not because we died and rose, but because Jesus died and rose. My sins are my own, but Jesus took them, and he replaced them with his righteousness. That's the gospel. And that's the spirit of all true prophecy. It has to be about grace. It has to promote the lordship and the redemption of Christ himself. Okay. So prophecy is a message, specific message that comes from God through a prophet to a particular person. It needs to be practiced in the church, but it needs to be safeguarded with the Bible as objective revelation and your personal relationship with Christ, listening carefully and checking it against your faith. Now, what do we do now? We understand what it is. We understand how to practice it. Well, here's two application questions for us as a church. As a believer, and for us as a community of believers, are we open to receive and use the gift of prophecy as defined in Scripture? I have to tell you, I'm not all that comfortable with the gift of prophecy. <laughs> That's not what, what, what I normally lean to. I, I normally like to think through things and be rational and logical about it. This immediate revelation is not the easiest thing for me. But that's my problem. I shouldn't reject it or neglect it because I struggle with it. We as a church should not say, well, we're not going to see it as a legitimate gift because it makes us uncomfortable. Let's embrace all of the gifts of the Spirit. Would you pray if you might have this gift of prophecy? 
And when you feel that God is speaking to you and God says you need to talk to that other person about this, don't dismiss it. And don't say that doesn't happen today. But pray and say, God, is it really you? Are you speaking to me? Do I believe generally this is God's voice or is it wishful thinking for me? Is it according to Scripture, according to the Gospel? Is it going to promote God's purposes? And if you say yes to both, you must exercise that gift. You must pass on that message to whoever it's meant for. That means in church, in larger gatherings, that means in home groups, that means in personal relationships, we need to be open to this particular gift. Now, second application question is, are we committed to the biblical safeguards of personal faith in the Bible and Testament prophets. Haven't opened that door. Let's make sure that we keep in mind that when somebody gets up in the middle of the service and says something really strange and unbiblical, we don't have to say, well, this is a word from the Lord. No. We can still test it. We can still weigh it. We can still use the, the safeguards that God has given us, which means that we need to know our Bibles. We need to know the Gospel. The churches that are misled by the charismatic leaders claiming to have all sorts of gifts are usually the churches that don't preach from the Bible, that don't read the Bible. This is a safeguard. Get into your Bibles. Read them. Learn the Gospel. Remind yourself of the Gospel every day. And I've said that many times, but this is such a good practice to preach the Gospel to yourself. As you get up in the morning and, and you pray, you do your devotions, start by saying, Father, I believe in the Gospel. I believe that Jesus came to save me. I believe that what He did on the cross is, is efficient and effective for me. That my sins are taken away. That I can live today by faith. That Your grace is powerful and it is sufficient for me. That Your Spirit dwells in me. And I've been brought to life. I'm a new person. I don't have to sin anymore. Preach that Gospel to yourself. Reflect on His steadfast love and grace for you. Well, we need to come to the table now. And as we come to the table, I'd like you to think of communion as God's prophetic word for you being on display in physical, material terms. Jesus came to, to be the word for us. That word died and rose again. And now we see those symbols, those elements right here. His body broken, that's his death. His blood spilled to give you a new covenant with God, a new relationship with God. That's the cup. And so if you are a believer, if you are at peace with God, you come to the table listening for his word and saying, God, what would you have for me today? How would you nourish my faith? How can I understand the gospel better? And you come rejoicing that God has welcomed you into his family and invited you to his table.